or stand to your feet, stretch your legs out a little bit, and uh, we're going to get started tonight. It's amazing. This is going to be, in my opinion, I think the, the best study out of all of them, and everybody's gone on spring break. Isn't that a hoot? Oh, mercy. Here we go. Luke 24 in uh, verse number 1. If you found your place, say amen. It says in Luke 24, 1, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, there came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Let me just pause and say amen. Amen. They found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Why? He ain't there. Amen. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Say that with me. He is not here, but is risen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for an opportunity to just share what you have given me, share what we have found and studied. And God, I pray that you'll use it for your glory. Help us to leave here more excited than we've ever been about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all that you do for us and what it means to us as a Christian. And God will praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Does anybody need a lesson? Did anybody come in and forget to pick up a lesson? There we go, Buchanan. I don't know why you sit down every time. All right. Anybody need a lesson on this side over here? Everybody got a lesson? Anybody need a lesson? We've got a, a backslidden Baptist running around. There we go. All right. All right. Luke 24. Now, we've got a lot to cover tonight, so I'm going to have to kind of go quick. Uh, I don't want to go too quick because I, I, I don't want to overlook anything and I don't want to miss anything. But we're going we're gonna to take and basically cover three aspects in this chapter, three things that take place in this chapter. I, I originally was going to do two, but I seen something else in there that I wanted to add to what we were going to study tonight, so we added it too. So we're going to talk about basically in this one chapter we find three things of our Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, we find his resurrection. Number two, we find his ministry, what he did on this earth during the time that he came back after he, he came back from the dead, which really, uh, it was the epitome of who Jesus was and what he was, and it's going to be really cool when you see this. This was not the part. Uh, number two is not what I had planned on putting in there, but the more I dug, I found it and seen it, and God showed me, and here we go. And it might not mean nothing to you, but it had me really rocking in my office today. Say amen. Uh, his his ministry here on earth with the, the two men on the road to Emmaus. And then thirdly, we're going to talk about the ascension. The ascension. Sometimes, sometimes the resurrection of Christ gets a lot of attention, but the ascension of Christ doesn't. When he goes back to heaven and what he went back to heaven for and why he's there for us, uh, here's the thing. Jesus did not just die for you. He is living for you right now. Say amen. And the ascension talks about that and why that is so important. So let's get started tonight. And, uh, and we'll begin, uh, number one, we're going to talk about the resurrection. The resurrection. If you're taking notes and writing down things, write this down. A, we see the resurrection's accomplishment. 
the resurrection's accomplishment. What happened and what took place because of the resurrection? What, what happened uh, because Jesus got up from the grave? What did he accomplish? Well, basically three things that we find here in our notes. Uh, number one, the resurrection confirmed Christ's identity. The resurrection confirmed Christ's identity. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, now watch this, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. In other words, Jesus made the claims that he made. He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be the hero. He claimed to be the hope of Israel. He claimed to be the one that God had prophesied for years and years and years and years and years. And because of that, he was killed. He was crucified. He said he was not who he said he was, but Jesus accomplished what he said he was going to do. He said he would be killed, he would be crucified, but on the third day he would rise again. And because of that, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 4, that proved that he was who he said he was. Say amen. The resurrection from the dead, him getting up under his own power, him coming back from the dead, it proved his identity. It confirmed he was who he claimed to be. Not only that, but it accomplished this. Number two, it proved the work of salvation complete. It proved the work of salvation complete. Romans 4.24 says this, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who, delivered for our, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was finished. Say amen. amen. Listen, this proved that nothing else had to take place. I don't have to do good deeds. I don't have to do good works. I don't come to God with anything that I can do. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a done deal. We come to Jesus by faith. It is a finished work. Now, some of y'all think, what, what finished work? What is that? What's the deal with that? All throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, man had to bring a sacrifice to God to, to appease his anger for sin. Every year, once a year, the people had to bring a sacrifice to the, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, to the mercy seat there, and they had to present the blood for the sin of the people. And every year, it had to be appeased. Every year, they had to bring another sacrifice. Every year, they had to kill another lamb. Every year, they had to come to God and have something done for their sin. But when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, no more sacrifices were necessary, no more sacrifices was needed listen every year that altar would cry out Un, I need blood I need blood I need blood the blood of goats and calves the blood of the lambs had to come and to suffice the the holiness of God but when God sent his son and his son died on a cross the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world and Jesus took his blood and applied it on that mercy seat all that was heard was satisfied 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 somebody say amen listen the resurrection from the dead proved that he was who he said he was it proved that the 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 the, the cost the penalty 
the, the plan of salvation was complete. The work of salvation and redemption was complete. Not only that, not only that, it accomplished uh, 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 the, the confirmation of Christ's identity. It proved the work of salvation complete. Not only that, but number three, it empowers believers to walk in newness of life. Man, that is so important. That is so important that we understand that we're not down here struggling on our own. We're not down here just doing the best we can. We're just trying to make it. God has just turned us loose here on this earth, and we just got to get by the best we can. That's not, that's not the way it is. That's not true. The Bible says this in Romans 6, 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now, he could not do that if he was dead. He could not do that if he was dead. Why is that so important? How many times, how many times have you found in God's word a command from God that you thought, I don't think I can do that? I know super spiritual people in here, you've never found that yet, but us regular folk, that person that's, I, let me give you this, bless those that curse you. Bless your enemy. Man steals, steals your coat, give him your jacket. Y'all with me? Now are we starting to think about this? How about Stephen? How about Stephen? He preached the gospel. He did the same thing Peter did. Peter preached the gospel, had mass revival and thousands saved and woohoo. Stephen, he did the same thing, preached the gospel, and he got killed. He was standing there. They were throwing rocks at him, stoning him. And it's basically people taking rocks and throwing at you till you die. I mean, you bleed from everywhere. You, bones crack and snap, and your, your cranium gets cracked, and here you are. And in the midst of this experience, in the middle of this horrifying experience, he says this, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. In other words, forgive them. Does that sound familiar? I happen to remember just, just a little while before that that there was a man that was hanging on a cross who was bleeding and dying. As they were nailing him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What's the point? I don't believe it was Stephen doing it. I believe it was Jesus doing it through Stephen. What's the point? A dead man can't do that. Jesus got up so that he could live life through us, so that when we face things we can't do on our own, when we have to forgive people that's hurt us incredibly, when we have to go forward and do stuff that's beyond our ability, beyond our capability, we know that he's alive, and because he's alive, he's alive in us. That's why it says, 
I can do all things through what? Which strengthens me. Because he got up. Because he got up, it empowers believers to walk in the newness of life. We see the resurrection, it's accomplishment. It's accomplishment. It confirmed that he was who he said he was. It proved the work of salvation complete. It empowered believers to walk in the newness of life. How many of you are glad he helps you when you need him? We see its accomplishments. Number or letter B. Subpoint B. I want you to see this. We see not only the resurrection's accomplishment, but I want you to see its acceptance. The resurrection's acceptance. Number one, write this down in your notes. Its acceptance was discouraged. The acceptance of the, resu- the, 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 the resurrection, the, the belief in, the, in the, uh, the, the accepting of the resurrection, it was discouraged. First thing the devil did, because the devil knows this is a very important point, this is a very important, uh, important doctrine and, and, and stand in the Christian faith, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because if he didn't get up, we're doing this in vain. If he didn't get up, we might as well eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Amen? It's all in vain. It is so important. It is so important that we understand that he got up. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. So important that, that the devil, he put out something there to try to discourage us and detract us from believing in the resurrection. He brought a lie. What did he do? It's no surprise that Satan attacked the truth of the resurrection and he instigated a lie that said the disciples came and stole Christ's body. That's in Matthew 28, 11 through 15. But it's really difficult to imagine how they could have done this. Number one, the tomb was carefully guarded and it would have been next to impossible for frightened apostles to overpower the soldiers. Open the tomb, secure the body, but the biggest obstacle is the fact that the apostles, they didn't even believe that he would be resurrected. But the devil knew how important the resurrection is. So he, he circulated a rumor. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how often that the devil uses rumors in his arsenal? I can't tell you how many rumors have spread around Coleman about Temple Baptist Church. I say this, I, I'm not going to offend ourselves. We don't have to. We didn't, there's no reason to. You know who we are. You've been here long enough. Y'all. Uh, listen, there were so many rumors spread around uh, Coleman about Daystar. I met Brother Jerry. Me and him are pretty good buddies, and I met a lot of the folks around there, and I found out a lot of the stuff I heard wasn't true. But do you know what? The devil is a liar and the father of lies. Now, here's the deal. It's amazing to me that people will believe a lie faster than they'll believe the truth. Amen? So we see, we see the, the, the resurrection was discouraged. It, its acceptance was discouraged. But then, number two, it was not only discouraged, it was delayed. It was delayed. The Bible says this as we read down. When they got to the tomb, when the ladies got to the tomb... They were going to bring spices and ointment and, and really do the job right because it was kind of a hurried situation because of Passover and, 
and, and, and they just kind of uh, went through it quick and, and put Jesus in, in the tomb. So they were going to come back and, and they were really going to do a, a labor of love and, 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 and put spices and ointment because they really loved Jesus, this, this man who they had followed. And now they get to the tomb, the, the stones rolled away, he's not there. Now look what it says in verse 4. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth. They said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. What's the next word? What's the next word? Help me say it again. Say it again. Remember. Don't you remember? You know why we get discouraged more times than all? In, in, in the house of God, in the work of God, in ministry, we forget. I cannot wait for Sunday morning and the first point of Sunday morning. I'm telling you, I'm so jacked up right now. I can't, I'm just. And, and Joshua, I don't want to get on Joshua because I'll be done preached it tonight. I will. But the first thing that the angels tell them is, don't you remember? Don't you remember what he said? Because they were having an issue. Their issue is they were, they were upset. Where's he at? Where's he gone? Who took him? When Jesus had already told them. He had already, watch this, watch this. Look at verse number, look at verse number, uh, where did I stop? Six, watch this. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day, you know what he was going to do? God done told him what was going to happen. He already told him what was going to happen. Why was, why was the acceptance of this resurrection delayed? Write this down. Because of a forgotten message. I really went crazy with alliteration on this one because the more I read, the more jumped out at me, and, and I just so just pardon that part tonight. Why did they? Why did it take so long for them to admit and accept that he got up? Because they forgot what he said. How often do we get discouraged and, and upset and frustrated with life? We get upset financially. Oh, my, what am I going to do financially? And we forget that God said, I will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. We forget the words that David said, and I, I, I am old, I've been young, but I am old, and I have yet to see any of God's children begging bread. I have yet to see any of God's children do without. God said, I will never leave thee and never forsake thee. Are you all with me? We get so caught up in, I'm guilty, man, I'm guilty. And I get so overwhelmed with things and so overwhelmed with my responsibilities and, and my duties and the things that I've got to do and the things I've got to accomplish. And, and I just forget his word. I forget when it comes to the things that he said he would do for me or he would be there for me. And, and because I forget what he says, I get overwhelmed with my situation. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Here they are. They should be partying. I'm talking about they should be rocking the house, excited, running. 
Woo! He got up just like he said. Man, let's go tell everybody. But they were all afraid and upset. And, the, and this is the word. This is the word. Perplexed. How many of y'all have ever been perplexed? I just don't know what God's doing. I just don't know what's going on in my life right now. That's because we forgot his word. A forgotten message. And the first thing they said, the angels, was don't you remember that he said this was going to happen? Well, I tell you what, since I've been saved, I've just been going through one thing after another. Didn't the Bible say, didn't the Bible say about something about fiery trials? Don't be, don't be amazed. Don't be, you know, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing happened. Amen? Why, why did it take so long? Why was the acceptance of the resurrection delayed because of a forgotten message? Then B, write this down. Because of a faithless mentality. Because of a faithless mentality. Watch what it says. The Bible says they remembered his words in verse 8. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. Now watch this. Unto the apostles. The apostles. The eleven. That walked with him and talked with him. Ate with him. Stayed with him was with the ministry with the, every step of the way with him. Now watch what it says. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they... Sometimes we have issues just because our faith is weak. They didn't believe him. Matter of fact, it was even to the point, watch this, in Mark 16, it doesn't say this in Luke, but in Mark 16, it says, Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them. In other words, chewed them out. Upbraid them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Why was the acceptance of the resurrection so difficult? Well, it was because they forgot his word. Now watch this. These two points go together. Now, so how do they go together? If we neglect the word of God, our faith is going to be in trouble. I, I'd say this, and I admit this. There's times that my faith is stronger than others. There's times I got enough faith I could swing out over hell with a rotten corn stalk and squirt the devil right in the eye with a squirt gun. And there's times I ain't got enough faith to leave my house. I'm afraid the, the stars are going to fall and kill me and, and, and I don't want to see nobody. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to be around nobody. I don't want nobody to call me. I don't want to hear about a problem. I don't, I don't want to hear nothing. I got enough problems of my own. I, I, I just I just can't take any more. Don't even talk to me. Leave me alone. Y'all with me? And I can always trace it back to that connection. 
if I'm in the Word and I'm really, I'll tell you what, it may not be showing tonight because I, I don't know why I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling a little weird tonight, but in my study today, as I was digging into this and the more I would dig, the more excited I would get. When we go into point number two, it may not come out, it may not come out. Nothing like I got it in my office, but buddy, I was so excited to see what I saw. I'm telling you, I, I was just, man, I got to tell somebody. I want to tell somebody. And it was connected to the word. My faith was at a level because it's always connected. Listen, don't think you can neglect the word of God and have great faith. Because in this whole chapter, in this whole chapter, even the two that was on the road to Emmaus that we're going to talk about in a minute, every time when they were lacking faith, it, they were always brought back to the scriptures. Don't you remember? And, 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 and the two on the road to Emmaus, Jesus came to them and expounded unto them all the scriptures from Moses and the prophets that talked about him. What would he, he brought them back to the word. You know, I, you know, I believe what's wrong with a lot of churches today? There's, there is a famine of the Word of God. Not, and, and, and not that people are not preaching out of a Bible, but what happens is, is we open the Bible, we open the Bible, and we read a verse, and then we go and tell people what we want them to think and try to get a Bible verse to back up what I want you to know. But he didn't do that. He expounded the word. He didn't come with having to say something. He came and said, this is what it says. And it's totally different. All right, Buchanan, you, you made a testimony. You made a testimony to the staff last week that it seemed like every day in your quiet time you were in the word and, and you were reading and, and God showed you something and you, was, you just want to tell somebody. Same way. Do you know what? Do you know what the two men on the road to Emmaus that we're going to read about in just a second? You know what? When Jesus got through with them, you know what they did? They went. Oh, now, now you got to understand. They were traveling from Jerusalem. I, I, I assume back home. They were, they were in town for the festivities. They had heard about. They were followers of Christ. They had heard about what was going on. They experienced the crucifixion of Christ. They were really bumming out. I mean, they were really discouraged and down. And they're coming home. They're headed home. And Jesus hooks up with them, goes home with them. Well, when Jesus was through, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. We just roll with it. Amen. When they got there, and Jesus threw and expounded the scriptures and opened their eyes, and they said, "Woo!" The first thing they did, they got right back up and went all the way back to Jerusalem because they had to tell somebody. What happens with us? We neglect the word of God. Our faith begins to dim. And because our faith begins to dim, our flesh gets stronger. And I don't know if you know anything about your flesh, but your flesh is rotten. And my flesh is rotten. And I don't need my flesh in control. Because if my flesh is in control, I wouldn't be at church. Are y'all with me? Am I getting anywhere? You see, they had a weak mentality, a faithless mentality. They, they had a hard heart. And because of their faith, it affected their heart. Somebody can come. Is it, this is kind of like the way it is. We're bumming. Jesus did. What we do now. Done left everything, left our careers, followed this man. They may come after us next, and they're just bumming. And somebody comes and says, hey, and encouraging, let me tell you something, and gave good news, 
And because of their faith, it affected their heart. And they would not even believe good news because of where their faith was. What's the point? Sometimes it don't matter how, and let me say this. Sometimes y'all minister to other people, and you try to encourage them, and you say say good things and encouraging things, but it don't go anywhere. And it's not because you're not a good minister, and it's not because what you're saying is not true and not right and not encouraging. It's because their faith level is at a point that they've got a hard heart, and they will not believe what you're saying. So, so it's not necessarily that we need to cheer them up as much as we need to get them back to the Word because the Word will affect their faith, and their faith will affect their heart. Amen? It was delayed. The acceptance of the resurrection was delayed because of a forgotten message, because of a faithless mentality. Now, let's check this out. We see, we see first Jesus describes a group of people that come and they get a message uh, and, and, and they go back and they tell the disciples, the disciples don't believe, well, well Peter and, and John, they run back to the, the tomb and, and, and they check it out, it is empty, uh, something has happened, we're, we're kind of curious about it, and, and, and I don't want to go into great detail about the, uh, uh, the chronological order of how all this happens because it'll just take us too long, but, but in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that, he tells a story of two people who are followers of Christ. They were disciples. They were, they, they were students of Christ, so they knew something about him that in, in his ministry, and they, they had followed him. And, uh, and, and one, one commentary I read believed it was two men that were walking. I, I heard Brother Buster Seaton preach, and he believed it was a couple. He believed it was a, a man and a wife, and Cleopas was the, was the fella, and but either way, I, I didn't go into great detail to, to, to really establish that. But regardless, there's two people, all right? There's two people that he interjects in this story. I mean, you have, you have this whole deal of Jesus getting up and, and then the ascension and all that. But right in the middle of it, he puts this story. And I wasn't even going to use this. I wasn't even going to go into this because of time. And I always run over. And, and, and if I get the resurrection and the ascension, that's going to be probably more than we can cover. But man, when I started reading it, I couldn't help but put this in here. Because what Jesus does here, what Jesus does here is the epitome of who he is. What he does for the life of these two individuals who were broken, their dreams had been shattered, uh, they were discouraged, they were down, they were discussing all of the things that were at hand, everything that was going on with the destruction of Christ and the crucifixion and, and everything that was going on, but Jesus came on the scene. And this is what he did here is what he's still doing. And, and let's look just a moment at the ministry of Christ, not his resurrection, but his ministry. Look in, in verse number uh, 13. Verse number 13. Are you there? Say amen. Check my time out. All right. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. They're going back home. Because you've got to understand, this was during the celebration time. This was a festive time where people would come from everywhere and they would come to Jerusalem for the Passover, eat the meal and be a part of that religious ceremony and then go back home. I believe these people were going back home, but in the midst of all of this was the crucifixion of Christ, the burial and all of this. And I believe they're on their way home. 
They're on their way home, and on their way home, they're discussing what's going on. They're reasoning among themselves. Man, can you believe me? I couldn't believe what I saw. Man, I tell you what, I, we, we, all, the, all the, the, the messages we heard from him, all the sermons we heard from him, man, I really thought he was the one. I really thought he was the deal. Now watch this. It says, and as they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And they said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another? In other words, he appeared to them, but they didn't even know who he was. They didn't even know who he was. And he says, What is this that you're talking about? And walking are sad. Why are you sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass thee, uh, there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? He's still got a sense of humor. Say amen. Now get this. Now y'all, y'all know i got a sense of humor. Use your sense of humor. Use your imagination for a minute. These two disciples, these two followers of Christ, here they are. They're, they're bumming. They're depressed. They're discouraged. And, and, and they just really are, are confused about what's going on. And Jesus appears and starts walking with them. And he says, man, what are y'all talking about? What's this stuff y'all talking about? He said, man, are you, have you been living under a rock? I mean, where are you, are you a stranger? Didn't you hear about everything? Because I'm telling you, this was a citywide commotion. Everybody there knew what happened. Everybody was familiar who Jesus was and, and what was going on. He said, what, what's going on? He said, well, don't you know about the things that's going on? He said, what things? He's the center of all the things. What things? Well, it's what it says. And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they've crucified him. Watch this. Watch this. But we trusted that it had been he which would have re redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now watch this. Now watch this. First they said, we thought he was it. We thought he was the deal. Watch what he said. Yea, and certain women also of the company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, the, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even as the women had said. But him they saw not. Their faith was so bad. With all of that evidence that was presented to them and the eyewitness accounts, they still. It's amazing what a wiltering faith will do for a person's countenance, isn't it? Now watch this. This is this is this is what I want you to see. We see Jesus' ministry. His ministry. And this is what I want our church to be. We're supposed to be Christ-like. I don't want to be traditionalist. I, I, I don't want to be religionist. I, I, I don't want to be known as a religion. I, I want to be Christ. What did he do? What was his ministry about? What epitomized, what just reflected him and his, and his concern and his care and who he really was? What was it? First, I want you to write this down. I want you to see in Christ's ministry, I want you to see this. It was a ministry of consolation. It was a ministry of consolation. Look what it says. Look what it says in verse number 
uh, let's go back and read verse 13. And behold, two of them went the same day, a village and, and, which was called Emmaus, which was a, uh, from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, in other words, while they were walking, while they were walking, while they were discouraged, while they were frustrated, while they were confused, at the lowest point in their life, look what the Bible says Jesus does. And it came to pass, while they communed together and reasoned, watch the next, Jesus himself drew near. Now, how many of you, sometime or another in your life, you needed Jesus to draw near? Not a prophet, not an angel, not a messenger, but it says Jesus himself drew near. I, when Stephen was being stoned, when Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says he looked up, and who did he see? Jesus standing at the right hand, not sitting. Everywhere after the ascension, the Bible, everywhere in the Bible you find after he ascended, uh, Bob, am I telling the truth? Every time you see him seated at the right hand of the Father, seated because it's a place of authority, seated because that is his position now. But when one of his children were being killed, one of his children were being stoned, when he looked up, he was not seated, he was standing. And I'm glad to know in my darkest hour, in my greatest need, Jesus will stand by me. Why? He has a ministry of consolation. He has a ministry. He will come and draw near to you. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad when nobody else cares, Jesus will wrap you up. Watch this. Watch the next sentence. The next sentence is cool. First, Jesus himself drew near. What's the next sentence? What's it say? Say it again. Say it again. I'm just going to go with him. I'm just going to go with them. I'm telling you guys, there's been times I just needed him to go with me. I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't do it by myself. I just needed him to go with me. Sometimes, I've had, I remember, I remember one time, uh, Jonathan Beatty, and we need to pray for their kid. Lord Jesus. Everybody that's laughing has Facebook. That's why. Uh, she, sent a, she sent a note to me that said, Preacher, you said for us not to be overprotective. And her kid fell at the, at the daycare and, and hit his nose, broke his nose. His lip looks like an elephant. I mean, he just, he's in bad, just a bad deal. Yeah, let's all say it. Oh, you know, it was, it was just bad. But anyhow... Uh, and I, I sent a note back saying, look, I said, don't be overprotective. Don't throw him off a building, amen? I mean, it was just just a bad deal. But but uh, Brother brother Jonathan, he called me one day. He knew I was going to, to speak to teenagers at uh, at Good Hope. And, and any of y'all that know me know that that's not me. That, they scare me. I'm terrified. That's why God did not put me as a youth minister. I can... I went, I went and preached at a youth uh, rally in Ohio where I'm going to preach in just a couple weeks, and, and there was about 1,200 teenagers out there, and I promise you I was eating, I was eating Pepto and Tums. and every, I, 
I was scared to, I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, crazy. The next day was when I had all the adults and I didn't even break a sweat. And here we go. They scare me. I ain't lying. I don't know what it is. It's like I go back to high school and I'm 15 again. You know, I, I don't know what it is about that. But Jonathan just called me and said, Preacher, I heard you going to go. You want me to go with you? I said, yeah, man. Yeah. And, just, you know, and it didn't, you know, you might think, well, that don't mean nothing. But just knowing he went with me. You know, sometimes, sometimes you go to a doctor's office and, and you don't know really what's going to say, and it just means something that somebody went with you. Or you go see something or experience something in life, and, the, and here's the thing. You say, Preacher, I feel all alone. As long as Christ is alive and well, you're never all alone. Because in your darkest night, in your most difficult hour, whether there is a human presence or not, Jesus is walking with you. Because he has a ministry of consolation. He had so much going on, so much he needed to do, but he stopped and took time to be with these disciples who needed him. Amen? See, we see a ministry of consolation. Then, then B, write this down. We see a ministry of exhortation. A ministry of exhortation. What, what do we see? He says, guys, guys, man, what, why are you so slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter in his glory? Verse 27. And beginning at Moses... And all of the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the what? The things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went. And he made as he would go farther. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. What's the point? I think if we can take anything from this particular chapter to help us in, in, in our life, in our discouragement, in times of difficulty, is how important the Scriptures are. Because in every situation, even the angels, even the angels in the very beginning, all they did was point them back to what Jesus had said. Amen? They pointed them back to the Scriptures. When Jesus came to them, he didn't say, Hey, boys, look who I am. You know what, Travis? It just clicked in my head. It just clicked in my head. It just clicked in my head. But you're wondering what clicked in my head, ain't you? Why didn't Jesus let them know he was who he said he was? Why, why, when, he, when he appeared to them, when he appeared to them, why didn't he let them know who he was? Because the Bible says their eyes were withholding. In other words, they were constrained. Why? He could have just said, hey, look, see, it's me, guys. Wait, what? Hey, I mean, it's all, it's all good. I'm alive. See? This is so good. Why did he 
can he do that? Guess what? Jesus is not going to come in bodily form to encourage you. He waited and used to encourage them what you have in your hands. So none of us could say, well, you got to see him in person. He not disguised himself, but he did not allow himself to be revealed to them and used what he wants you to use. Used what you have in your hand. That's why the Bible says we have everything necessary to accomplish what we need to accomplish and do what we need to do right with what's sitting in your lap right now. Are you getting this? Same principle, same principle with Jesus in the wilderness. Same principle with Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus could have went up to the devil when the devil when, 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 when the devil was tempting him and he could have thumped him off the planet. You get that? But what did he do? He didn't use he didn't use his deity. He didn't use his divine powers. He used the same thing you have. The word of God. He said, I know you've been hungry. You've been fasting 40 days. You ain't had nothing to eat. If you're the son of God, and it wasn't if you are like he didn't think he was. It was since you are, because the devil knew who he was. In other words, he was. He, it, it was kind of an accusation. You're the son of God, and you're hungry? There ain't no sense in that. Won't you turn these rocks into bread? Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. All three times, the devil came. And, and, and by the way, this is how slick the devil is. He'll try to use the word against the word. Well, don't the Bible say, isn't it written that, you know, you, the angels won't let you dash your foot against a stone? He said, it is also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Every time, it is written. Why? Because he came and lived his life here on this earth just like you can do it. He came and was successful on this earth just like you can be successful. He came and fought temptation just how he wants you to fight temptation, and that's with the Word of God. And he used to encourage these fellas the very thing that you have in your hand. He could have just revealed himself and said, Hey, it's me, guys. Don't sweat it. No, he went back to the Scriptures and said, Look what the Scriptures say. Man, this is so good. Are y'all getting this? Is anybody getting this? I'm getting this. He has a ministry of consolation. He walked with them. Drew near and walked with them. He has a ministry of exhortation. See, that's why it's so important for us to learn the word. Here's the deal. Look at it tonight. Look at it tonight. And I, I get I get a lot of people on vacation. And I don't beat people up. I mean, I don't think that, you know, if you miss a service that you're going to hell or anything. I don't I don't think that. But I think with a thousand people that average come here, 1,100, 1,200 people that come here, there's not a sufficient hunger for the Word. And because of that, because of the neglect, neglect of the Word, therefore we have one out of every two Christian marriages end in divorce. We have homes falling apart. We have people with problems beyond our imagination. We have people struggling with faith. We have people living in a culture that is so sin-sick, 
it's beyond my imagination. And here's, here's we got faith that's just fluttering. People have just enough faith to get here on Sunday. But that's about all. When we should be conquering, going forth in victory and power and anointing. That's why that's, I'm almost getting over there on Joshua. That's why God was looking down at Joshua and saying, what are you doing on your face? What are you doing? Get up. You know what I think he was saying? Don't you remember what I said? You're supposed to be undefeated. You've got somebody on your side. Have you not forgotten that I will be with you as I was with Moses? No man shall stand against you all the days of your life. Get up. Quit whining. Don't you remember? Man, this goes so much together with what Sunday is going to be about. The reason that we are falling and failing and discouraged is we've forgotten. We've forgotten how powerful this book is. This will knock the devil right out of you. Amen? Listen, he had a ministry of exhortation. But then he had a ministry of revelation. A ministry of revelation. Brother Travis, watch this. Verse 30. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And then it says this. And their eyes were, and they. Now the word knew there, I looked that up. The word knew there means to be fully acquainted with. Now watch this. What did it take to open their eyes? Watch, 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 watch. Verse 30. It says, he took the bread and he blessed it. And he broke it and he gave to them. And their eyes were open. Does that does that little deal sound familiar? No. Because, see, the 11 disciples that were with communion, they were still in Jerusalem. But there happened to be another church service one day on the side of a hill when they had nothing to eat. And they said, what do we have? And they said, we have this little lad here. But what are these among so many? He said, bring him here. And the Bible says he took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave to them. You reckon these, these two people could have been sitting in that church service that day? And they remembered? Wait a minute. I remember that. And all of a sudden, it's him. Could that have been a possibility? How about when Jesus and the disciples were out there fishing? Disciples were out there fishing, and 
They ain't caught nothing. This was after the resurrection. They shouldn't have been out there to begin with. Children, have you any meat? They've been fishing all night. No, we ain't caught nothing. Well, cast your nets on the other side. And I had to say, one of them probably said, now wait a minute. That sounds familiar. They cast the nets on the other side, and here they come with so many fish. And one of them said, it's the Lord. It's him. And that's when Peter bailed out. What happened? God revealed himself by reminding them of what he had done in the past. You know what we need to do when we're discouraged? Just remember what he done in the past. Because what he done in the past, he can do in the future. How many of you have been sitting in this church building during a, during a worship service or maybe during a worship song and then God just opened your eyes to who he was to you through a song or through a word or through whatever and it just got real to you? The Bible says our eyes were open. It's not an emotional experience. It's just that you get more acquainted with him. The Bible says their eyes were opened and they knew him. I said that word knew. It means to have a, what I say? What I say? Let me, let me read it again. What, what, it says to become fully acquainted with. You know what? You know what our churches need? Just a good old-fashioned revelation of who he is. You know, if we would spend time in the Word during the week, it would, it would revolutionize our time in the worship on the weekend. Because you'd be so jacked up about what God showed you about who he is. Let me just say this. This ain't in the notes, but it's in my heart right now. The Bible is not a book of rules. The Bible is not necessarily, I've heard people say this, the Bible is, is God's directions on how to live. The Bible, let me tell you what the Bible is. The Bible is God saying, this is me. I want you to know who I am. This is me. And if we, will, if we will, as we read the Bible and study the Bible, look for Jesus on every page, it will come alive. Because the Bible was not given so you could look more religious, so you could look more churchy. The Bible was given to us so we could know him. Paul said this, I want to I be more churchy. No, he didn't say that. I want to look more religious. No, he didn't say. He said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings. I just want to know him. I want to be intimately acquainted with him. And the more we want to know God and the more he reveals himself to us, the more we're going to want to worship him and praise him. Are y'all with me? And you cannot know him. You cannot know him apart from from his word. Everything there is to know about him is in that book. 
And if anybody ever comes to you and says, I have a new revelation, I saw a vision in the night, it was, it was the burritos, it wasn't nothing else. If it's not in that book, it ain't it. It's not it. Are y'all with me? God wants you to know him. God wants you to know him. The whole deal. What did he expound? What did he expound to them? It was the word, but what was he expounding? What was he revealing to them through the scriptures? Himself. Are y'all getting this? He wants you to know him. And the more you know him, the more faith you're going to have. And the more faith you have, the more power and ability you have. For without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please God. Church, say amen. Boy, that if God would just reveal himself to us. I can't see the clock. Your head's in the way. Three minutes. All right. Number three. Hurry up. We got three minutes. All right. Three subs, three minutes. What is Christ's ascension? We see him, him come. He ascends back into heaven. Three things we see, and I, I got to do this quick. I got to do this quick. A, we see the proof that it assures. Write that down. We see the proof that it assures. What did it prove? That he is reigning supremely. He is a conqueror. God has put all things under his feet. Ephesians 1, 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things, how many things? All things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Say amen. We see the proof that it assures, not only that, but the, the position he assumes. Because of the ascension, he assumes a position of authority and power. What, what, three, what three positions do we see? There's, there's a lot more, but there's only what I had room for. But number one, one of the most important is the position of high priest. The position of high priest. The Bible says in Hebrews 7, 25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. How many of y'all glad we got a high priest that knows what we're going through? He maketh intercession for us. The Bible says we don't have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points uh, uh, tempted, even as we are. He knows everything we know. He feels everything we have felt. He has experienced our pain. He's experienced our suffering. And now he is in the heavens. He is before the Father making intercession for us. What does that mean? He's praying for you and me. When he spoke to Peter, he said, Peter, Satan has desired to have thee, may sift you as wheat, but I have, I prayed for thee. Amen. I'm glad we have somebody in, in, in heaven praying for us. Not only is he assuming the position of high priest, he's assuming the position of our advocate. Our advocate. If any of y'all have ever been in trouble with the law, you know what this means. An advocate is basically a lawyer. A lawyer. 1 John 2, verses 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. But, it says, and if any man sin, 
we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between this position and the other position? What's the difference between advocate and shepherd or high priest? A high priest goes to God with our needs and our burdens and our problems. The advocate goes to the Father with our sins and says, Look, I'm standing here representing whoever. I'm here to represent Buchanan. I know he has failed, but I have conquered. I know he has sinned, but I have overcome. When I stand before the judge, I don't stand before him in my account, in my good deeds. Jesus is my representative. He goes to the Father. When the devil, the accuser, goes to the Father because of what I've done, Jesus steps up and represents me. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Number three, number three. He assumes the position, and I'm sorry, guys, I'm sorry that this is so much information, but it just is the way it is, and, and we only have an hour. Amen? Uh, the high priest, he assumes the position of advocate, but then number three, he assumes the position of shepherd. He is the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, and the good shepherd. Amen? He shepherds the flock. He runs the church. He is the boss. Hebrews 13, 20, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. I'm glad that he is the shepherd. Then we see, last of all, not only the proof it assures, we're talking about Christ's ascension, the proof it assures, the position it assumes, he assumes the purpose we are assigned. The purpose we're assigned. In that particular verse, in verse number, uh, let's see, uh, verse number 46, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and arise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are, what's that word? Ye are witnesses of these things. Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. The Bible says, But ye shall be witnesses unto me. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. What's the point? He went back to heaven to prepare us a home. He's there interceding on our behalf. He's there. He didn't just die for you. He's living for you. He's working for you. You have a living, working Savior that is working 24-7 on your behalf. He is preparing you a home. So what is our duty and our responsibility? We're just to go tell what we know. We're the body of Christ. We're the, we're the church of God. We are here to do and to be what he was while he is here. Well, why don't he do it? Because he's working for you up there. Say amen. Amen. That's Luke. We started, I don't remember where we started. Two years ago, I think. Miss Jane, how long ago? A year, two years maybe? About two years we started in Luke. Uh, maybe the next book won't take that long. Amen? Uh, just out of curiosity, just out of curiosity, if you, have, if you have a book that you would like to study or, or like to go into, not saying that we're going to do it, so don't get offended if we don't, uh, uh, but we have gone through a couple different books of the Bible. And uh, if you have one that's, that's, that's on your heart that you might think would be a, a good study you'd like to be interested in, see Brother Buchanan and tell him, and then he will get back with me on that deal, okay? Uh, uh, just just say, if, say it's Revelation. We ain't doing Revelation, but just say it is. 
and I'm not saying that because I'm afraid of it. We've done it two or three times. So uh, uh, several times we've done Revelation. And uh, uh, you say, I want to know that. Well, get the CDs. Amen. They're all there. Uh, but if one intrigues you, or and, and maybe not necessarily, maybe not necessarily a book of the Bible. I would like to do it that way because I, I I'm really enjoying this format because I really believe teaching God's word verse by verse through this like this is really going to be beneficial and it's really going to bless and build and strengthen our people. And I'm really I'm going to start doing a couple series on Sunday mornings to encourage people to come and get this because it's so important and and we need it so bad. But it may be a topic. Say, preacher, I'd like to study it. Such and such, such and such topic. Uh, hey, we might we might do that, and uh, uh, we'll just see. Okay, church, say amen. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray, brother Buchanan. Won't you just pray right where you are? Because they got people dismissing the, the kids, and y'all need to go get them. And I went overtime, so we're gonna pray right where we are, and uh, and 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 let's really pray for uh, Miss Candace's little fella. He he is in a in a bad way. Uh, uh, broke his nose, and and his and his lips really bad. Uh, so let's let's pray for them, and God knows the other needs. All right. Yes, Jesus. 